it's been a little over a week since I launched the Done Is Better Than Perfect journal, and wow, I think I'm still in shock (laughs) a little bit because it took me so long to put this product out into the world, and I am so grateful to every single one of you who has already purchased a journal. If you haven't, you can head to itsthesakitamethod.com backslash shop to get yours today. The Done is Better Than Perfect journal is the first product in the Sakita Method collection. The first few pages are a mini breakdown of the 11 principles of the Sakita Method, starting with Done is Better Than Perfect and ending with Bloom Where You're Planted. So if you're a fan of episode 24 of this podcast, where I go into detail about what the Sakita Method to creating your own luck in life and in your career is all about, now you'll have these little reminders on hand anytime you want or need to revisit them. If you already have your journal, I would love to repost you on social media. So don't forget to tag me at Miss Success, that's M-I-S-S Success, and at The Cicada Method when you post it. Now let's get into today's episode. Hi, I'm Cicada Holly. I am an award-winning publicist and entrepreneur obsessed with transforming brands, and I am dedicated to sharing everything that I've learned along the way to help you when at work, in business, and everywhere in between. On this podcast, you will have direct, unfiltered access to your favorite creatives, entrepreneurs, and executives, and the methods that have made both them and myself successful. This is the Sakita Method. To live tweet this episode, use the hashtag the Sakita Method and be sure to tag me at Miss Success, that's M I S S Success, on both Instagram and Twitter. Today's guest is Rochelle Graham Campbell, an entrepreneur, philanthropist, and influencer who got her start on YouTube back in 2008 sharing hair care tips as Black Onyx 77. As her YouTube page grew, so did the number of people who began to ask if she could provide more than just tips. They wanted whatever product she was using on her own hair. That first product was her Essential 17 Growth Oil. And one weekend, Rochelle decided to take the extra $100 she made from working a shift at Olive Garden to buy the raw materials needed to create a small batch of those growth oils to sell. That was in 2009. That product blossomed into the Allocay Naturals brand many people know and love today. I'll be chatting with Rochelle about her journey from that first $100 to building a steady growing multi-million dollar empire. Welcome to the show, Rochelle. Thank you for having me. So we have a lot to discuss because yeah. my mind is kind of like $100 to multi-millions to, <laughs> to some double M's. Let's get into it. Yeah. So, These days, right, influencers and content creators launching product lines is par for the course. But Mm -hmm. you did it in 2009 with just $100. So I really want to start there. Can you take us mentally back to that moment when you realized as you were growing your YouTube audience that you wanted to start selling products? Yes, of course. So I always tell people that my business, Allocate Naturals, it started organically. So at the time, where I was in life. 
So I was 21 years old at the time. I got married at 20, so I was still a newlywed. My husband and I were both in college studying full-time. He was also um, working at Papa John's as well. And so for me, at that time in my life, I was just under a lot of pressure to you know, achieve all these goals that I had with my schooling. So I was on the path to go to law school. So I was taking four to six, four to six classes a semester, and I was paying my way through college. My parents didn't pay for my schooling. So I had to work multiple jobs to keep up with all my classes and tuition. So I was throwing newspapers every night with my husband. We were, I was also working at Olive Garden as a waitress. And I also was working on the weekend as a weekend as a CNA. So it was a lot and I needed a creative outlet. So when I got on YouTube, um, it was just getting started. I was one of six of the first YouTubers ever um, in the natural hair community. And we actually all came from a website called FOTKey. So FOTKey was the beginning of the online natural hair community. Then when we got on YouTube and I started to you know, do my hairstyles, the things that people started to really love from me, every single thing that I learned about my natural hair, I would run home from my classes and be like, oh my gosh, guys, I learned how to wash our hair today without like mm-hmm. tangling it up, or I learned how to detangle it. And then also in that, you know, space where I was, I was also dealing with a lot of the negativity at the time with going natural. So, you know, my friends and my family, a lot of people were not supportive. Um, They were like, why are you wearing your hair like that? It looked awful. I was going through a lot of teasing at work (laughs) at the time. So I was using YouTube as my outlet to really just connect with at least other women who look like me, who understood what I was going through. And we were just encouraging each other and keeping each other um, going. And so that's what it really started as. And then I decided to just get up one day and do a second big chop. And I was like, you know, I love my natural hair, but I don't want to use chemicals anymore. So I want to, you know, use natural products. Now at that time, realistically, natural products were like $40 for an eight ounce product. And that wasn't affordable for a broke college student. So I made my first product myself for my own hair, which was the Essential 17 Hair Growth Oil. It didn't have a name back then. I just decided that in order to keep doing natural hair tutorials on YouTube, I can't be bald, obviously. So I needed to grow my hair back fast. So I made the growth oil, started using it on myself. My hair was growing like crazy, but I still didn't share with my YouTube audience what I was doing because I didn't think they would really care. They just needed the Mm. style. So then they're like, hey girl, hey, like your hair is growing back way too fast. Didn't you just cut it live on YouTube three months ago? Like we want what you're using. Wait, so wait, what wait, a lot- wait, 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 yeah. there's a- <laughs> wait, 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 like, there's a <laughs> couple, no, 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 no. That's amazing. That's amazing. There's a couple of things. You were a pioneer on YouTube in the yeah. natural hair space. One of the first six. Yes. That's huge. I, I, I had to repeat that. That's one. A pioneer, like the beginning of time, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Like, I did not know that. Like, I, you know, when when I started following you years ago, like, obviously, I knew you were like an OG in the space. I did not know you were one of six, right? Yes. So, okay. The second thing, I just want to make sure that people are hearing you. You cut your hair live on YouTube? You did yes. your big chop live? Yes. Wow. And back then, there is no actually going live. YouTube had restrictions. You can only do seven minute videos. So I had to break my big chop up into like five parts and it's still up there now. Yeah. I just went into my bathroom. I think I still had my work clothes on, I believe that day. And I was just like, yeah, guys, I'm going to go change and let's just cut this off. I'm done. 
and I did it live. Yeah. Okay. So how did, I, I have to ask, we are so attached to our hair, right? How, and this was your second big chop. What, yeah. like, why, what made you do the, make the decision to say, okay, you know what? I'm cutting it all off again. Yeah. So it, to be honest, first of all, the first big chop was also spontaneous. Um, my mom, we were in college at the time, you know, you're broke. Anybody invites you out for food. You're like, yes, I'm there. So my mom invited um, Damon and myself, my hubby out to Olive Garden. And so she showed up with a, a big chop, a TWA. And we were all surprised. And my husband looked at her and he was staring at my mom. I was about to karate chop him in his throat a little bit. Like, hold on, dude. I know, <laughs> I know my mom was fine, but hello, I'm here. Um, but he was just like, yo, mom, you know, your hair looks so good. And he looked at me and said, babe, does your hair look like that under your braids? And I said, to be honest, I don't know. And so when we went home that night, the itis hit my husband. So he went to go go to sleep, take a nap. I went in the bathroom, took some scissors, and I cut my micro braids out. That's how I went natural. There was no plan. I was just like, I'm done. This is it. I want to wow. see what my hair looks like under here. So when he woke up, I was like, babe, look what I did. And he was like, it's beautiful. <laughs> like, And that was how I went natural. So Alec Hay wasn't even in the thought process back then. It really was just me wanting to see what I look like with everything stripped away. Like I wanted mm. to see what I look like underneath all of this that I had put on over the years as I was trying to become what I thought the world wanted me to look like to be considered as beautiful, you know? That's incredible. And shout out to mom for, yes. showing, for showing up, popping, okay? Yes. <laughs> because, because we definitely have her to think as well. Yes. And when we, when we go back to that second big chop, you did it on YouTube, you shared it with your audience, yes. you made this product to grow your hair back because clearly you had a business mind even then. You said, okay, how am I going to have a hair channel with no goddamn hair? Yep. So, <laughs> so you started making this product how did you know what to put in it in order yes. to get the results you wanted? Yes. Okay. So that's always like, you know, everyone's curious question. So the thing is, I, the one thing going in that I knew was that I just didn't want to use chemicals. And so then my default mind is like, well, that means you have to use natural ingredients. And so it made me start to think of back when I was growing up in Jamaica with my grandmother, Yaya everything, anything that could go wrong with us, my grandma would be like, oh, go grab this from the, the yard or pick this tree, set this plant. And so I'm like, well, the same thing has to apply with growing my hair back. I need this to grow back as fast as possible. So I started to research natural ingredients and herbs and botanicals that promoted natural hair growth. And I just started to combine everything, every single thing that I could find. And then I was like, you know, this one's not needed because I already have those attributes in these ingredients or this one I can eliminate or this one I can combine. And so that's how I began. I just wanted to see how quickly my hair could grow back. And I figured if you try 17 ingredients, one of these is bound to hit. And so, <laughs> you know, it worked so well, though. Like, I was also surprised how fast my hair was growing. But again, back then, I was in college. I was focused on school and work and just getting my hair to grow for videos. But then what a lot of people don't know that I did next. So when people started my subbies, as I call them, because listen, my YouTube subscribers were my family, okay? They're the women that helped me emotionally through college and just the past decade pretty much watching me grow up. But um, so I would, you know, I told my subbies, 
And I'm like, guys, I'm just going to teach y'all how to make this because I have no time to make this for you, but I want to share. That's just always been my thing. So I actually recorded a video in my kitchen doing a tutorial making the Allocate Essential 17 hair growth oil. And I had it up on YouTube for a couple of weeks, but people were like, girl, we did not ask for this. Thank you, but we're not going to make this. We'd rather just buy the bottles from you. And so that's when I went to Damon and I was like, babe, like, they have the video, but they want me to make it. And Damon was always supportive, but he's just like very conscious of our bills and our expenses. He keeps me real. He keeps me down to earth. So he's like, well, do what you do. But as long as we can still pay our light bill and our rent, it's fine. So I called one of my friends and her name's Tiffany. And I took one of her weekend shifts just so I can make extra money. Wow. And I still had some ingredients. I still had some of the, um, the herbs and the oils left over, but I didn't have any bottles because I didn't buy bottles. I was just making it for myself. So I had to use that hundred dollars to re-up on the ingredients that I ran out of with my personal batch and buy bottles. And then for labels, I went down the street. There was a Staples down the street from my apartment. And that's where I bought my labels from. I made them on the same printer and computer that I was doing my college homework. And that's how Allocate got started. That's incredible. Do you remember how many subscribers you had at the time? I mean, I know it was a while ago, but it, is that like a moment stuck in your mind? Um, Actually, the, sub, the subby numbers wasn't stuck in my mind just because I didn't care. Um, You know how like now we care about analytics and numbers? Yes. Back then, we didn't care about that stuff. Like I, I did my first 400 YouTube videos for free, 400. So I have, I have like, I don't know how many videos say that, I have now. Say that one more time. Say that oh. one more time. Say that one I more did, time. <laughs> I did my first 400 YouTube videos for free. They were not monetized. They were just free organic content that I did. I don't think for people my- know how much 400 is. So I wanted you to, <laughs> to repeat that for, for me, because I'm going to have to listen to this back and for other people. We put yeah. so much pressure on ourselves. You know, yeah. we do one video and we expect to gain 10,000 followers from it. Or, yeah. you know, we expect to get so many opportunities. 400 is a lot. You know, there's <laughs> yep. a lot of OGs who, you know, people compare themselves to, but that's what I always say. If you're comparing yourself, also look at the work output. Yes. If they have, you know, 700 posts and they have a million followers or 100,000 followers and you have, let's say, less than 10,000 and then you have 30 posts, there might be something you want to do there. Yep. <laughs> you know, yep. it's, it's really about the work you put in. 400 is made Sure. So go ahead. I just wanted to, we got to, we got to talk about these little nuggets, (laughs) but, but go ahead and jump back in because that's amazing. So how many do you have now? So now I have, I have a hundred and something thousand subscribers, Mm -hmm. but to be honest, um, I have not put the love and attention into my YouTube channel over the past, I would say six years. My son is eight. So I really haven't been giving my channel love over the past six years. It's now something that I'm becoming consciously aware of. Like, you know what? I want to revisit my YouTube. But at some point, YouTube started to become a part of my job and my career. And so it no longer was my creative outlet. And so it wasn't fun anymore. So I just stopped doing it because really I had built I had built my business while it was started on YouTube. I also did what I needed to do from a corporate standpoint and built my business so it wasn't being dependent on YouTube to thrive. And so I was able to walk away from YouTube or take a break 
to build my company without having my brand suffer. But YouTube is my my happy place. It's my my place where I can connect with my people. So now that's something that I'm getting ready to pick back up this summer. I love that. So if you're listening, make sure you go subscribe. Black oh, Onyx 77. You yes. Know, we, it's still the OG out here. <laughs> yes, yes. And OG is coming with new things because I've yes. changed so much in the past decade. It's now time to get people caught up with the new me. Yes, I love that. And if you don't follow her on social media, obviously all of those details um, will be included in the show notes. But she does a fantastic job of just sharing like the day-to-day behind the scenes of what it takes to run a business of this size. So definitely pause this and and go do your follows. (laughs) Thank you. So, okay, so you made it in the kitchen. You did this DIY video. The people said, girl, we don't need that. We didn't ask you for that. Um, (laughs) We gonna need you to make it for us. So you you took your your friend Tiffany's shift. You made a um, extra hundred dollars. Bought the remaining bottles, labels, and things that you needed. How do you? You probably don't remember how many um, bottles you you made. But what happened next? Did you sell so, out of that first batch? Yes. Uh, so I don't remember the exact number, but I I I know that we sold. I sold out the next day when I came back from class. So I, I put it up on the website the night before I went to class and I came home to actually um, pack earring orders. So during that time, I actually had another business going, it was called Naimani Chic. And that's where I was making handmade jewelry and accessories. So I would release new collection of earrings like every month and people would just buy them up and until they sell out. So I had that Etsy page. So I came home to make my earring orders. And something just said, let me just look on Etsy really quick, because I had put the Allocate Essential 17 growth oil, I put it on the Naimani Chic Etsy, because I didn't think this was going to be a business. And it had sold out. And then I started getting messages on YouTube. I kept getting comment notifications and people were like, you said you were going to put the oil up. I went on and it's gone. You got to fix this girl. I didn't get my bottle. And I was like, oh my gosh, this thing sold out. So all I did was just take the money that I made from selling the first batch and I bought more supplies, more ingredients, and it was just rinse and repeat. And I've been rinsing and repeat it now for the past 12 years. That is (laughs) incredible. I Thank love you. it. And and I just want to just make sure I have the number of jobs you have. <laughs> I'm Jamaican girl. I'm I know, Jamaican. I know. I, that's why I'm like, let, I just, let's get this straight. Okay. So we got Olive Garden, right? Yep. We have yep. a growing YouTube channel. Yep. I heard you say you were a goddamn CNA. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> I, I was and, wiping old people booties on the weekend. <laughs> and you had another business accessory business on Etsy at the time so that's about four am am I missing any (laughs) well and throwing the newspapers was seven days a week because you don't get to take a break from that one right yeah so newspaper delivery as well okay so that is just another (laughs) reminder like you know it's funny we're joking but it's also really important right it's really important for people to see that you had a vision for your life at the time and, and yeah. it, it didn't include a beauty brand and included you going to law school after yeah. college. So you were, you were paying to put yourself through school, but you were yeah. very clear about, okay, maybe my family doesn't have the resources. So I'm going to need to do more to make sure that this happens for myself. Yeah. Um, a lot of times we, we ask these questions of like, how can, how can I do this? But yeah. what I find is that today people 
don't necessarily want to or know what sacrifice is like. It's the sacrifice. It's that word that you just said, sacrifice is it. No one is willing to sacrifice anymore. Like when people come to me now, because, you know, as we're growing and we're scaling, like I go through the hiring process for Allie Kay. And when employees come in, they're like, oh my gosh, like, wow, you're doing all of this and this is blah. And then I tell my staff, I'm like, listen, I went to bed at three o'clock last night and I was up at 5.30 to get my day started. And no, three hours of sleep is not healthy. But when you're in the middle of like an extensive launch, these are sacrifices that I'm still making while having a business that is deemed as successful. Sacrifice doesn't go away. It just changes at different stages in in your entrepreneurial journey, but you still have to do it. I'm over here having a praise, a praise moment because <laughs> sacrifice doesn't go away. It changes. Ooh. Yeah, that's <laughs> I just want to sit with that for a yes, second because, <laughs> because, you know, my business, I, I have a PR firm, but just turned 10 as well. And that is the realest Congratulations. thing. Thank you. Thank you. That, but that's the realest thing because yes. people on the outside, you know, th- maybe I'm not having as many late nights as I used to, but they mm-hmm. still happen. You know, like you said, yes. when we're working with a client that's going through a launch or something like that. Yes. And people always comment, why are you still doing this? They don't yep. know. They yep. don't know what it exactly. takes. Yep. I had an employee. So this was just when I tell you just two months ago, she's she didn't make it, obviously. And I ran into my office and I'm like running around like I'm in and I'm out. And she grabbed me one day and she was like, oh, my gosh, like you are always so busy, Miss Rochelle. And I said, yeah, I was like, this is what I have to do. Like my day runs by my calendar, my schedule, time is everything. And she was like, I could not do I would never I would never do what you do. I would never do that. I like my sleep. I could not be rushing like that all day. And I looked at her and I said, but this is why I am where I am. And I left it just like that, girl. Like, there's a reason why you are where you are and I am why where I am. Absolutely. <laughs> and I, I think we all just need to just continue to open our minds and expand because, you know, as much as I know what it takes to get to the next level, once you've been working for so long and, you know, you are going to have those days where it's like, I don't want to do this shit. Yeah. I don't want to do this shit anymore. Yeah. But then you have to like find that whatever it is in you to keep going and to continue making the sacrifice. Because I said something a while ago where it was like, I have a, like God gave me a choice, right? I either pursue this thing that he put inside of me or that she put inside of me, or yeah. I am going to be in agony. Yep. Like there's no in between. Like you no. have this purpose, you have this thing in you. And if you, you can choose to do nothing about it, but it's going to eat you alive. It will. It will. But there are people, unfortunately, and I, I, I consider it on my end where I say, you know, I feel like God has put a light in all of us. Like he literally gave all of us a light. And for some of us, we're willing to do what we need to chip away at whatever is blocking that light and do that work because we know like we won't feel fulfilled without it. Like my light is my life purpose. Like this is what I'm here to do. And this is what I'm here for. And I, I could not operate otherwise because it was like, I would almost feel guilty. I would almost feel guilty. Like 
God has wasted this talent on me because he could, he could have chosen to give this vision, right? This vision, this light, this particular light to anyone else. And he said, he wants me to carry this. So it's up to me to make sure that I honor this by doing what I'm supposed to. Like, I just have to keep going until I know that, okay, you know, he gives me that sign to say, okay, baby girl, your mission is done. It's fulfilled. So I think that, you know, individually, each of us are walking our own path, but we just have to understand, like, if you're going to get to the end and be questioning, like, man, what would have happened if I would have just, you know, given that little bit of extra effort? Like, what would have happened if I didn't listen to my mom and I just went for it anyway? Like, there's no what ifs. I'm sorry, girl. There's so many things in this freaking world that I can't control. The shit that I can't control is me. I can control my actions. I can control how I show up for myself. And I know what I want in my life. And I know what I have to do to get there. And sometimes it does take, um, you know, when you said some days you get up and you're like, fuck it, I really don't want to do this shit. I have those days too. We all have those days. And sometimes I will just say, fuck it. I'm not doing this shit today. Like I've worked so hard that I deserve this day of pause because I just cannot today. You know, those days you're just like, I can't, like there's nothing yep. left in me to can. I allow myself to stop though. I give myself that permission. I've sacrificed all of these years so that the moments when I get to that, I just don't want to moments, the for real ones, then I allow myself to rest, at least rest for that day. And then I get up and I pick it up the next day. But there's also those times where you're like, fuck, I really don't want to do this. But you know that that's that thing that's standing between where you are now and where you're trying to go. I just grit my teeth down, put my headphones in if I need to, and just get my coffee and just go. You just grind out, you know? So that's what it is. Okay. We, we then took them inside the church. Um, oh yeah. Okay. We we didn't took them inside the church. We have <laughs> we have uh walked them to their pew. <laughs> um I'm over here. I got goosebumps a little bit because this this was a conversation I just needed to have today. This, these are the words that I just needed to hear. And I think so many people need to hear as a reminder to one, keep going, but more importantly, none of us are alone. No, in this no. journey, everybody, you may not be pursuing, um, you know, or building a multi-million dollar business like Rochelle is, but whatever you're doing that is aligned with your purpose, like we, our journeys are so in sync with each other in terms of the sacrifice, what it takes to get to that next level. So hearing you talk about this, it, it helps me. And I know it's yeah. going to help a lot of people. Um, oh. But I, I want to get back into how you built the goddamn business. I'm, I'm we, over, we over here. I'm like, <laughs> preach, preach, preach. Okay. Love it. Love it. So Okay, let's let's bring them back into the story. So All right. we got this first batch of product. You you sold out. People blowing up your your YouTube because they they didn't get to it in time. Yeah. How did you go from that first batch of products created with extra tips from a shift at Olive Garden turn into Allocate Naturals? Like when did you realize that what you were doing needed to become a full time operation? Um, to be honest, when I knew it needed to become full time was when I had to start quitting my jobs back to back. Now I did it the right way, gave everyone two week notices, but actually I think, I think with all, no, Olive Garden, I was 
I think I was terminated actually. That's a whole nother thing though. Um, but yeah, so no, I had to give everyone, um, my two week notices, but I just had to start dropping my jobs because there was not enough time in the day to do that. And this like allocate took over almost immediately. And so what, so from that exact day, so I'm going to do a quick fast forward to how we got to our first commercial space. So everything went in fast forward. So at the time that I created that that product, sold out, everyone was like, oh my gosh, you need more. I told them on, I was like, babe, I need your help because now I have these earring orders to do, all this jewelry stuff to make, and I now have to make these oils. And so Daman, now keep in mind, I, I always want to say my husband is so low key. I actually love the fact that he's not the kind of man who wants to be in the spotlight. Like he just, he stays in the back. He's like, listen, I'm gonna rock back here and do what we need to do. But he doesn't always get the credit that he deserves because he also sacrificed a lot in that stage as well. So he, um, we both let go of our jobs. So I let go of all of my jobs first because I just needed to focus on the business. And then he let go of his job. And at that time, he was studying to go into being an aviation mechanic. And so he knew nothing about the beauty industry, nothing about making earrings. And so I had to teach them on like how to wrap all of my earrings because they were individual bamboo earrings wrapped with yarn and like custom design. So he had to wrap all these earrings. So we would be wrapping till two, three o'clock in the morning. And then once the, the product started to take off with Alakay, Damon is really good with like the meticulous things, like really fine details. So I would be like mixing and bottling and then he would take over and apply all the labels. And so we were now running these two, what was going to be considered a business because it was still just essential 17. It was um just hair growth oil on Etsy for quite some time. And then I was like, well, babe, we need to name this something. And so the name Alakay Naturals came about because Alakay is my middle name. Um, and so Alakay Naturals was started. Then I was like, well, shoot, people are loving this growth oil. I need to make other products for my hair. Because now with me making this whole natural commitment, I'm like, well, shoot, I need a leave-in conditioner. I need a moisturizer. So I created and mixed in my kitchen again, the lemongrass leave-in conditioner, and then the shea yogurt hair moisturizer. And it still is so crazy to me. I can't even lie. Sometimes I pinch myself because when I see like a billboard or I go into Target and I see the lemongrass leave-in, I'm like, girl, that is literally that thing that you made at home in your pot that day. Like while your husband was asleep on the couch, I will never forget. And to see something just go from that to where it is, is still mind blowing. But anyway, so that's really how I started to make products. I was like, well, what does my hair need next? I needed a shampoo. I made my moisturizing black soap shampoo. My first batch I made at my mom's house during Thanksgiving college weekend. Like, And then I started to ask other people around me that had other hair types because girls were going to school with me. They had curly hair. Some people had wavy hair. And I'm like, well, tell me what your hair needs. I can go home and make it for you. And so I made the wake me up curl refresher, the creme brulee curling delight. So before you knew it, I literally became just a natural mixtress. And I found just such passion in this. And then simultaneously, I was designing and making earrings and releasing new collections every month. And so how the hell did Damon and I make this work realistically? Well, I'm an early bird. So I would wake up at like five o'clock in the morning and start working on making products and mixing the products that he was going to be able to package when he came home on his lunch break from class. 
or I would print and simultaneously I would print out all of our earring and product orders for the day as well and lay them out on the floor so I can match up the ones that we had inventory for. So then when Damon would come home, if he had a break in between his college classes or they ended early, he would go home and start packing orders. And then one of us would make the post office run. And so the post office runs were awful. Our freaking the male people, the male ladies hated seeing Damon and I walk in, but back then you couldn't print orders online. So you had to like make each individual label by itself, like write it out at the post office. And so we had all these green slips, we would haul these stuff in and they would have to do them one by one. So we'd be there for hours and hours, but we just took turns doing that way. Like sometimes I would just have to like bring products with me back to college campus. And if they had products in there that would melt, I couldn't leave them in my car because we're in Florida. So I would have to haul my freaking, <laughs> I would haul my customer packages to class with me to keep them AC'd until I can make it to the post office to drop it off on the way to Olive Garden. That's how that stage of life works. So people, people need to understand, like, you got to fit it in. You got to get it in where you fit it in. It wasn't some beautiful flow of, oh, we just quit our jobs and life was just perfect. Right. Um, but once we graduated college, um, so first of all, another thing, during that stage, um, we did not have a lot of friends that were helpful to, to us. I so was we were going really, to ask. Yeah, girl, no. <laughs> no, there was nobody coming and saying, oh my gosh, I'm here to help you. Um, actually, I remember us two different days um, having friends over to help. And it was like two friends and it was two days only. And that was it. After that, we never had anyone to help. Um, well, and we me, were on our own. Let me ask you this. Let me ask you this because yeah. I'm so glad you kind of went into the not having other people come support you because one of the big things that we don't talk about enough are support systems. Like we're the individual, the entrepreneur or the visionary, the creator, whatever is the one making the major sacrifice for the most part. Right. Um, and we need a support system. Clearly your mom came through popping, gave, you know, started this whole thing, set it all in motion. But your husband mm -hmm. is like a pillar of support for you. Yeah. So at that time, your family, you know, they know you as this is going to be the family's lawyer. Mm -hmm. She's going yep. to law school. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, you know, your friends know you too. They're probably like bragging on you. Oh yeah, this is our lawyer. She's going to be the da 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 da. But then you pivot and you start going into beauty, people see you lugging all these products around all the time. I'm sure that there were some questions, like even if they didn't come and lift a finger, were they at least encouraging and supportive in that way? Like, okay, yes. we don't necessarily understand, but okay. Yes. So, um, so the thing is, so my mom, she lived three, two and a half, almost three hours away from Damon and I. So I only got to see my mom during college, like, you know, weekends or holiday weekends. So it was just Damon and myself living in Tampa. And so our friends and our family were always verbally supportive. We never got, ne well, no one said it to us, like any negativity. Um, but people would just kind of joke around and say, oh, you know, them little business. Like even my mom. And I laugh with her, no, because my mom has just always emotionally supported me. But she laughed one time. She was like, oh, you guys and your little business. I'm proud of you with your little thing. So it's like not diminishing it, but just kind of like 
oh, it's just this little small thing that you're working on. How cute, your little hobby. So no one really took it seriously. And Damano himself will tell you too, he really didn't take it seriously in the beginning. Like he would help me, you know, like, oh, okay, babe, tell me what you need help with and I'll do it. But he didn't really understand like, oh, she's building, like she's serious about this. So he was just doing the work. He was just chipping away with me, but not really understanding what we're tri chipping away to get to. Um, but, you know, negative things really did happen as well during that stage. And I had to really learn the lesson that early on that people are not going to always just come and support you. And, and really, unfortunately, your success is going to sometimes cause you to lose people that you thought were going to be your lifers, like those people that are going to be with you for your, the rest of your life. So I had a friend and to this day, this is, um, you know, one of those things that I'm, I'm happy it happened as early as it did, because it really helped me to reframe the way that I look at um, expecting support from others. So I had a friend, we lived in the same apartment complex at the time, um, my sister in law came to visit. And of course, we had products to mix, you know, we we needed help. And so my sister in law was coming over to babysit her daughter. And so while her daughter was sleeping, my sister in law was like, Hey, Sis, bring over some products. You know, I'm here visiting from Fort Lauderdale. I can help you package. So I brought the stuff over. And do you know that my friend came out and looked in her apartment? I had only brought one bucket of one bucket of Shea yogurt hair moisturizer. I had a bucket with some jars and lids in it. And that was it. I didn't even have labels or anything. This girl told me to pack my shit up and take it out of her house right now. And I, and we had been friends now for, I think at that point, we were friends for four years, right? And she told me to pack my stuff up and take it out of her house. And I was just like, oh, I brought it over so that my sis could package it while your daughter was sleeping. I didn't think it would be a problem. And she was like, I didn't tell you to bring this stuff over here. You need to pack up your stuff. It's making my house look messy. Okay. So I packed my stuff up, girl. There was no elevator in our apartment. I had to haul this heavy ass bucket 52 gallon, 52 quart or whatever bucket down the stairs and take it home and fix it, finish it by myself before class. And I will never forget that. But do you know why she did that, that I found out later? Because she looked out her door and looked over her balcony and saw my brand new um, Dodge Charger put pulled up in front of her house. And that was my dream car that I had just bought for myself the month before, the week before, because finally our business was doing so well. And I was driving up like a broke down, breaking down on the side of the road. Damon had to come while, so people don't even know this. While Alec Hay had already started, I was still holding on to my super old car. My car would break down on the side of the road on the way to classes. Damon would have to come and jump me and push it, like push it off to the side of the road. So I finally said, you know what? I need to just get a car. And Damon's like, baby, you work hard, get your dream car. And I did. And that dream car caused such jealousy in my friend that she kicked me out of my her place with my stuff. And I will never forget that, but it was a lesson that I needed to learn. Ooh. Yeah, girl. Ooh, it's, yeah. You know, we go through so much and, and I'm happy that, you know, you shared that because again, there are going to be those people that support you or that want to support you, but, but there's something within them that may be preventing it, you know, whether it's jealousy or, or resentment or some other emotions. Um, yeah, but so it can't, it can't throw you off your game though. You know what I mean? It's like you, it sucks. And I know it's like, sometimes that's when our human side hits in. It's like, Oh my God, well that, that, that was kind of painful, 
but it just should, you know, reignite you to just want to get even more focused and not even using like, you know, revenge, like success is the best revenge. And while it is, I have more to prove to myself than I do to prove to other people. I don't give a fuck what they think. You know what I mean? It's more so like me. I set my goal to accomplish this thing and I'm not going to let them get in my way or throw me off track. So, yeah. But from then we, um, we moved. So we graduated college and I had to have that conversation with my mom. I was like, listen, mom, the business is taking off. And I know I said I was going to go to law school because in my head, I always like, I wanted to be the black, um, Reese Witherspoon. So and legally blonde, like I wanted to be Elle Woods, but the black girl version, I wanted the pink pumps, the pink blazer. I was going to be like the best immigration lawyer, but I had to tell my mom that wasn't going to work out. And she was very concerned because she was, you know, supportive of me doing Alakay when she thought it was just this fun thing. And then it was like, but wait, so what about your real job? Like, what about your real career? I'm like, well, this is really, you know, what I plan to do. And so I didn't let my mom's concern deter me. I decided to just go for it anyway. So we moved closer to my mom here to Fort Myers, Florida, where she lived. My grandparents were living here as well. And so my husband and I, you know, set up shop in our house. And so we started to use the kitchen. Then we used the living room. Then we used the guest rooms. And before you know it, we were back down to the same situation from a from our college days, because in college, we had a two bedroom apartment. And what we did was we flipped the mattress up against the wall in the second bedroom and used that as our mixing room in our office. And when we had guests come over, we would put the mattress back down. So we were doing the same thing now at our new house. And so we started to not be able to live like the business allocate was just everywhere. And so we know we needed to separate it and put the business in its own space. But you have to understand, Daman and I are both from Jamaica. So we both grew up poor in Jamaica. Um, we don't we don't come from a family of money or wealth. And so the little money that we were making, we were not going to just throw it away or waste it. And we also didn't want to go rent some big, expensive commercial space to go try impress people, you know, because that's the thing. A lot of people they jump into a commercial space because they think that it's going to make their business look official. We were like, we don't care about looks. We care about like actuality. So we rented a freaking condominium that was close to our house and you're not supposed to do this, but we did it. But we rented a residential condominium. We got like the little plastic um, floor cover tarp things, the painter's cover that people put on the ground. And we lined their entire apartment upstairs and downstairs with that plastic to protect it because when you're mixing natural products like with oils and you know herbs and stuff it's going to get in people's floors and we didn't want any problems so we used that two bedroom apart we used that two bedroom condo for quite I'm sorry that three bedroom condo for our first year um, with building the business and that allowed us to be able to hire our first official employee outside of my grandparents so that we didn't have strangers coming into our house so at that stage, it was just Damon and myself, my two grandparents, which are Mr. Ralston and Yaya, and then my first employee. After, after that one year, we moved into our first commercial space. And of course, with utilizing, because I'm always about maximizing space, girl, we weren't just going to have an office. We set up a little showroom in the front and our customers locally could come by, they could shop products. So we were bringing in additional revenue for the business. And then a year into being in that space, that's when Target happened. So Ooh, I'm going to okay. pause yep, there. Yep, please yes. do. Because 
you know, when people are telling me their story, sometimes they say things and they think, oh, I'm not going to catch it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, you're not supposed to. Yeah, they think I'm not going to catch it. But um, you mentioned a couple of things that I really loved. Um, You casually mentioned, you know, when I go outside and I see billboards, Yes, God. Come on now. Yes. Come God. on now. She yes, has billboards, God. guys. Yes. And not only that, the, the products, your products are sold not just nationally, but globally. I want okay. people to understand that. And we're about to get yes. into that part of it. Um, so the billboard thing, I was like, oh, she thinks she's slick. Oh, she <laughs> thinks she's slick. We, we definitely <laughs> going to touch on that because I want people to just realize Aww. who they're listening to. Um Another thing that I think is really, really important to your growth story um, and a lot of people that are listening that want to start something or are, are struggling in the process right now is that you grew your brand one product at a time. Yes. Yes. You don't have yep. so you don't have to launch with 10 SKUs. No, you don't. You don't. You. I started with the one. Yep. I started, so I thought, I think it's important when people have access to additional capital, you have that flexibility to do whatever you want, right? But when you're like us, who we were running our business, we were bootstrapping our business. We didn't have any loans. So to this day, we're at year 12 in business. We're just now about to take our first business loan. And that's just because we're building a a headquarters office, a headquarters office and expanding our production facility. But we, you know, scaled with no, no formal business loan and no investors and no credit cards. And so in order to do that, it was one product at a time because that's what we could afford. And also people going in again, forget to realize that that one product if you do it well, if you maintain your marketing, that product is going to generate the additional capital and revenue that you need to now launch your next product. And then you take that additional capital and revenue to launch your next product. So when people say, I don't have the money to start a business. And when I sit down and ask them what they're trying to start, girl, they're trying to come off bat with a 10 product collection, or they're trying to, you know, open up an office with this and they want to build out a custom wall. And it's like, you're, you're thinking about the wrong thing. You know what I mean? Like get focused. I love, I love the concept of starting a lean business because you're able to really control your growth that way. And you're also able to make sure that you're not just wasting money. So that's my thought. That just reminded me of something else you said that, that I talk about often. And it's one of the reasons why in my business, I waited years, like five or six years before I even got an office space, like a permanent office space. Um, And you said that people are so worried about um, appearing successful when you really care about actually, I had to spread that word out. (laughs) Actually. (laughs) Okay. There is a difference, you know, being actually successful people are so concerned and with the gloss and and the glitz and the glamour and looking having the trappings of success without actually having it um the substance behind the scenes so i think that's important so we've talked about the beginning right i want to talk about allocate naturals today there there are a lot of people who are probably listening and they're going to say okay 
I, I know her or I've heard of this brand, but let me really see what they're about. Allocate Naturals today is more than just hair care products. Can you describe or just break down the different brands and, and categories that your business currently operates in? Yes. So we, of course, started off with just being a hair care brand, and now we've expanded into being a lifestyle brand. And so we have hair care, we have skin care, we have bath and body, we have home essentials, which is through our candles. And then we also have a baby line as well, which is the Allocate Baby Sapphire collection inspired my by my daughter, Sapphire. And now we also have the Her by Allocate Naturals, which is our feminine care line. I just want y'all to count on your fingers. <laughs> that, that is amazing. And I was going to ask you about, you know, whether you took on investment and are self-funded. And I'm happy that you mentioned that you are, you have been completely self-funded and yeah. you're now about to take on, um, you know, your first business loan. Yeah. Bootstrapping a business is tough. It is. It's, it's it extremely is tough. tough, especially because you launched in an era of, minimalism for for lack of a better word because at mm -hmm. that time twitter was just starting to gain steam instagram wasn't even around yet right so yep. you had youtube and you had some other marketing channels but now launching a product today you know you need more in, you know in order to get the attention so what advice can you share with someone who is in those early stages of bootstrapping what can they do to ensure that they're able to see another day? Um, I would say number one is to pay attention to your numbers. You have to be profitable. I'm sorry. I know that like a lot of people, and I'm not even trying to throw shade because, well, yeah, maybe I'm gonna throw the whole damn tree. It is what it is. Like you're in business. Like if you are running a business, then your business needs to be profitable. If it's not, then it's a hobby, right? So when you think about, your company, I want you to make sure if you're bootstrapping, you pay attention to your numbers. Every single week, making sure that you're running your financial reports, making sure that you're going back and make, um, making sure that you're going back and negotiating your costs on an annual or even twice a year with your suppliers. I don't even care if you're a small business. I would still go back and be like, hey, so you know how I buy like a dozen from you every month? I'm now going to be buying two dozen. Can I get a better price? negotiating your costs and keeping them low so you can make sure that you're maintaining your profit margin. And that's actually something that I really drill and teach about in my course, which is called how to create a product that sells, um, is talking about your numbers. So my company has been in the black every single year. So even though we're bootstrapping, we're making sure that we're maintaining those margins no matter what. I would say the next thing is pay attention to your order of operations. So once you think about all of the steps or all of the activities that you need to do to get your brand off the ground or even to maintain it, identify what is most important now. And that honestly is the best way to operate because if you have limited capital, you can't do everything. And it does become super overwhelming if you look at the whole list and be like, okay, well, shoot, I have $250 left and I have to do register the business and I got to hire this and I got to pay for the logo and I have to do this. Well, think about what comes first. Can you maybe get the logo and branding kit at a cheaper rate somewhere else and then cut the cost by maybe teaching yourself how to do a label? Like where can you save costs and where do you need to invest it? But most importantly, what do you need to spend on first? And also think about what's going to make, what's going to get you to launch 
first. What's going to help you get to launch quickly? So any activities that you're doing that's not going to help you to get to the money, then it can it can wait. You know what I mean? So sometimes the activities that I see people doing in their business, I'm like, okay, so getting a shirt printed, right? with your logo on it. And the company is now telling you, you got to get a dozen shirts. Each shirt is $10. You've now invested $120 into getting some shirts for what? So you can post on Instagram with your logo on your shirt to say, I'm an official business, but yet your website still isn't up because you said you didn't have the money to pay for the hosting. No, you had the money, but you just didn't allocate it and spend it right. So I would just say, those are my key things for people to really think about. And then also with your marketing, with your marketing, guerrilla marketing is everything. When you don't have the money, guys, you're, you're going to have to have the time. There's no, there's no other exchange. You either have the money or you have the time. So when you don't have the money, then you need to find the time to teach yourself to do the things that is going to be able to push or drive your marketing, um, your marketing plan. So what I'm trying to say is this. I'm saying it in a confusing ass way. When you think about your marketing, you may not have a marketing budget in the beginning, but it may take you, you know, allocating, let's say an hour a day to go on and teach yourself how to do Canva, right? Or it may take you allocating two hours a week to go on and teach yourself how to send out an email blast. You may not have the money to pay someone else to do it, but you have the time to teach yourself how to do it. So just bootstrapping and DIYing um, really do go hand in hand. And I think a lot of people forget that. And then also don't be afraid to like, don't be afraid to just launch your business with what you can, where, where you can, right? We all can improve as you go. The first set of labels that I launched with Allocay and our packaging looks nothing like what we have now because every single time that we had additional capital or we had additional budget to make the tops better or now make the bottle better or make the label better, we did that. So many people now have so much pressure on them to off the bat launch and being perfect. And you have to remember that the best businesses and the best brands out there they don't look like what they look like when they first launched. And you're looking at companies like even like a Coca-Cola. They don't look like what they did when they first launched. So why would you then have that expectation of yourself, your small business? She just dragged us with so much love, didn't she? <laughs> didn't she just dragged us with facts and love. I was over here clutching my pearls. Then she just bought it back, basically saying, look, I love you, but we're going to get you together. <laughs> yes yes <laughs> thank you for that 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 is just we need we need to hear that we need to hear that whether you are starting today or whether you are you know in the middle of a process or reinventing or rebranding you know your yeah. business it, it's just good to hear a reminder from someone who has done it and continues to do it just at scale Thank you. And also too, one, one last thing I want to say is, you know, for anyone listening, if you are bootstrapping and therefore you don't have the budget that maybe your competitors do to do certain activities, don't be so hard on yourself. You know what I mean? Just remember that you don't want to lose what you have trying to follow the trend and do what everyone else is doing. Do what you are able to do. Tap into your own creative genius. Yes. Amen to that. So speaking of scale, the hair care and beauty aisle in the natural hair industry in general is booming, right? It's becoming increasingly saturated with options. How do you keep Allocate Naturals competitive? By doing exactly what I just said. Mm. I keep my eyes on my paper. 
Mm-hmm. I keep I keep my eyes on my paper. I focus on what our allocate goals are and what our goals are for our customers. If it's not about my allocate customer, then it's not about our brand's goal and mission, then I try to not focus too much on it because I think what tends to happen is everyone starts to do the same thing. Everyone starts to look the same. Everyone starts to release the same products. And it's so important to me that Allocay never becomes, and I'm going to say a Me Too brand, but Me Too before Me Too became its Me Too. <laughs> um, but, you know, a Me Too brand, like I, I wanted to make sure that we always remain authentic. And so with everything that we do, whether it's with our new products or it's with our marketing or even with the way that we connect with our customers, we try to do what's best for us and what feels good and not try to allow because it, you know, real talk, it does happen. If you're not careful as your business grows, there's so many corporate restrictions and boundaries that then get put up. It's like, okay, here's your sandbox that you can play in. Well, that's just never been the way that I've operated. Like I don't want to just play in the sandbox. I want to play outside of it as well. And so just by following our own path, I think that's allowed us to remain authentically who we are. Um, and even when, even when um, you know, other brands are entering into the market, that market saturation, I'm oh, Chalet, like that's a whole nother thing. Um, but yeah, we just try to make sure that we just remember who we are and remain authentically who we are. While a lot of people, you know, spend a lot of the time trying to duplicate what others are doing. I keep my eye on my paper because I know that that's where my creativity comes from within with my brand is is within myself. Couldn't have said it better. So one of your brands that I'm really intrigued by, and I remember when you were rolling it out um, recently, her by Allocane Naturals is your your foray into the feminine care space. I'm intrigued by that because I love the Honeypot brand which was created by a black woman. And I think for so long, we've black women, I mean, obviously we've done it with natural hair. We're starting to do it on the skincare and cosmetic side. We were starting to do it in other categories, but for so long, we have had to just use the products that were on the market. And we know that they were not made with us in mind, which means that we were literally risking our health. When I when I discovered Honeypot and you know listening to the founder's story and knowing that she knows the nuances of a black woman's body, yep. <laughs> you know, yep. and and knowing that you do too, it makes me more inclined to say, let me try this brand because at least I know she know what be going on with us. Yes, <laughs> you know. Yes. So, but but exactly. talk about yeah, talk about what made you want to. Was that the reason you started her by Allocay, or what was the reason for that? Well, part of the reason is, first of all, just like you said, our Black voices and our representation of Black creators of feminine care isn't really where it really should be. You know what I mean? This is not necessarily a category that we see a lot of us thriving in. And so I love to see the success stories of the founder of Honeypot um, and, you know, other brands as well that are in the feminine care line that are black women, because more of us need to show up in this space to win. So I think that's amazing. Um, But my reason for creating um, her by Allocay, the first reason was when we think about Allocay Naturals and as our line has been growing and we're moving from just being a hair care brand into being lifestyle, we're taking care of all other parts of our customers. So if we're saying, hey, you know, Allocay customer, we're here to serve you and serve all of your needs then we're serving her hair, 
We're making sure her skin is glowing and popping. You know, we're making sure that, you know, her body is nice. We're making sure her babies that she has are taken care of. You know, her house smells good. But that one part of our body was just being overlooked. And it's the most, one of the most important parts. It's the most sensitive part. And so that was really my main reason for creating her by Allocate Naturals. I wanted to make sure that I was serving the Allocate customer and woman and giving her everything that she needed from head to toe. Because if an Allocate customer has super high standards. So one thing we've found with our customers that shop Allocate she cares about ingredients. She's knowledgeable about natural ingredients and is making sure that she is willing. And she's also willing to pay a premium price as well to make sure she gets what she wants. And so when we look at the feminine care products that were previously available on the market, minus the brand that we mentioned before, a lot of products still were filled with chemicals. And it's the same thing that was happening in our hair care industry. The same brands that existed when we were growing up once we all started to say as women or black women specifically in that category, we want natural ingredients, people thought by putting a, a you know, a, a natural ingredient on the label, then that was enough, right? And it was the same thing that's happening in feminine care. Women are saying, hey, these chemicals are actually harmful to us. Like we know what the irritation feels like when we use this stuff. We know what the itching, the burning, the swelling, the discomfort, like we know what that feels like. And I just felt like the market and the industry, the industry, the category wasn't listening to, to us. I just feel like they weren't listening to us or listening to her. And so I decided that if I was able to create solutions for our hair, I need to take that same, you know, method and create solutions for our feminine area. Because if I'm having that issue and I'm being put in the position where I have to use these other brands and I'm still having these issues when they have a natural ingredient on the front and I'm reading their packaging and the ingredients are saying they're natural, but the irritation that I'm having is different. I needed the solution for myself and for my customers. So that was my inspiration. So holistic care for the Alec yes. customer. Holistic care. Holistic care, head to toe. I'm going to say that from now on, by the way. So when you hear that in interviews, that's you. It's yours. (laughs) It's yours because because you're doing it. Holistic care for for the Allocate Naturals customer. Yes. And physician approved. We're vegan, pH balanced. Like I, I was not playing at all. Like it took me over a year to be able to develop this collection. And of course, it still is very Caribbean inspired. Like, I try to focus on the natural ingredients like the aloe vera that we use a lot in Jamaica to also use in formulating this um this line. I'm I'm so happy that it exists. I'm excited to try it because we need it. We need it. We just absolutely need it. And I what I what I love is that our generation is becoming more open to talking about sensitive topics such as yes. feminine care. Um, you know, we're not afraid to say vagina. (laughs) Yeah. We're not afraid to talk about sex and things like that. So having you into the market with this brand, it's just going to lend itself to more education and more discovery for, for adults who are just finding out things about our own bodies, but also for kids coming up. So, so I'm excited to see what you do in that space. And I'm excited to see that part of your business expand. So as we wrap up, I have to ask this, how did COVID impact your business last year? And how are you leading your company through what is now a new normal? Um, 
I would say, so the impact that COVID had on our business, I, I hesitate um, when talking about this just because I know how really shitty last year was for so many people. And, you know, on the hindsight, the other side of it, so many people lost their lives too. So it feels kind of difficult to celebrate a good year in business. You know what I mean? Um, but, you know, just kind of putting the other side of it aside then, and just speaking from a business perspective, we had an excellent year. Um, our company had tremendous growth. It was actually one of our highest growing um, growth years. Um, and so I take that, I take that um, with being super grateful because I know that a lot of businesses did not have the same effect. Um, and I'm really grateful that throughout, you know, this COVID experience, we didn't have to lay off any employees. In fact, we've hired seven, no, six new employees um, during the pandemic. Um, so I'm grateful for that. Um, I would say that the way that it's changed, um, the way that we do business, well, first of all, I think that it has made it even more prevalent how important it is for our company to make sure that we have the right foundational things in place, that if anything happens, we can make sure our staff and our employees are good. And let me just tell you, like I'm saying this like with ease and calm, but it it's not an easy thing in the middle of a pandemic to maintain all of your staff. Like it is not easy. You know, with the challenges that we went through last year, I know everyone went through packaging challenges, but we were one of the only brands and we heard this on a retail call this week. So I can, you know, say this. We're one of the only brands that were able to ship on time to retail in the middle of the pandemic. It no one was able to ship, but because Demon and I, even though we're self-funded, we we stack, we prepare, like we strategize. We again move a little bit different than how a lot of people may look on the front end. It may not look like we're as glitzy and glamoury and fancy, but we're focused on the foundational elements to make sure we're able to protect our, our employees and our customers with any shifts that are going to happen. Um, so I think that was a big change. And then something else for us too, I think it's been making us get more creative and think out of the box to reconnect with our customers. And so it's almost pushing us back to grassroots. And I can't even lie. I like it. I like it because our brand has been growing and expanding so quickly that we're going corporate and we're going corporate fast. And so this pause has allowed us to kind of stop and say, okay, how can we make sure that we don't lose that human touch and co close connection with our customers as we're growing and scaling the brand? And so I think that has been something else that's positive that has come out of all of this. But business forecasting is key, yes. y'all. Forecast, yes. forecast. And I, I think, yes. that, you know, I've, I've talked to a lot of entrepreneurs, especially in the consumer product space, and many of them share a, a similar story where their business actually picked up because people had more time to pay attention to them. Or, yeah. you know, or it's like they went back to what was tried and true, and they yes. just stuck with that. So yes. it's a blessing that, you know, and we're like, come on back, babies. Yes, yes. we're not mad. Come on. Yes. Come on back. Come on. So I, I had a different question that I wanted to end with, but I, I, I want to end with this instead, because this has just been such an amazing conversation. I just want to know, are you proud of yourself? Are you able to feel? Don't make me cry. Shut up. Are you Don't make able, me cry. I'm already you, emotional. Are you able to feel? 
what your customers, what I, what other people who admire you feel for what you've done. No, mm. no, no. And I'm, and I'm, I'm sorry. I'm emotional just cause it's, it's just currently, um, I'm a G y'all, by the way, don't even take it as I'm soft. Okay. Um, <laughs> I just, um, so I, I just opened, so something people don't know, I actually just opened, launched a new business by myself uh, about a month ago. And so I'm, I'm going through the startup phase with that business as well. Actually, that's the office that I'm at now. Um, so with co- going through that, I'm like going through the stressors and the headaches like that I went through when I was starting Allocay. And this is not a beauty company, by the way. Um, but I'm going through the same stressors and headaches when I was in startup phase with Allocay. And I said to my husband this week, I was like, babe, I was like, man, I forgot like what this felt like. And he's like, babe, he's like, look how far we've come. And so we finally sat down and had a really good heart to heart conversation. Like, oh my goodness. Like, you remember when we used to do this and we used to do that and just kind of having that like moment to think about those memories and where we're coming from. Um, I think that it's a defense mechanism for me. Cause just like you, as you just asked me that question, I got really emotional. Um, but I don't, I don't allow myself to stop and really think too much, um, about what I've accomplished, but cause I don't know how to explain this. Let me just try to let this come out the best way it can. My entrepreneurship journey has been amazing and I I can't even lie it's been amazing like to see me this little girl in Jamaica you know have this that I have now like I have almost 30 full-time employees and I'm running multiple businesses and I have my dream house I got my babies like I have all of these things and you know I'm still sometimes I say to God I'm like I thank you for choosing me you know, like, I'm so grateful that God chose me to really carry through this particular mission. But it's been really difficult. You know, everybody's entrepreneurship journey, like your entrepreneurship journey is not smooth, like you have a lot of wins, and you have a lot of success. But there's also a lot of painful things that you go through along the way, you lose pieces of yourself, sometimes you lose friends and family, Um, you sacrifice so much. And so I think that because I am, I am proud of myself, right? So I don't want to say that. It's not that I'm not proud of myself. I just think that I'm still in the middle of it. You know, I'm still, and I know everyone's like, dude, like you're at that point now that you can pause and catch your breath. But I don't feel that way. Like I'm still in the push and grind and drive and climb mode. And so I know that there will come a time that I can catch my breath and say, baby girl, you've done it, but I'm not there as yet. Um, but I'm, I'm just emotional just because again, it's just, you know, building a business and building a brand, you go through a lot of things, you go through a lot of challenges and you may not always have the support that you need, but just kind of reminding myself every day, like, all right, you know, keep going and just stay focused. But yeah. But yeah, that's one of the things I don't do. My my staff, by the way, my general manager and my assistant, they're known for making me pause. So they'll be like, Rochelle, 
we just hit this milestone. So for example, um, when I got, we got our first billboard in New York Times Square, I was like, oh yeah, good, we did it. Oh my God, I'm so proud of us. Like I'll make my team celebrate and I'll celebrate with them for the sake of them. But I don't usually pause and celebrate for myself. I'm just like, oh, okay, like we did it. Now I'm like, boom, on to the next. And it's not really the best way to operate. It's something I'm working on, but yeah. <laughs> That's I what think is. this is cultural. And I, I ask you that question. I ask a lot of people that are successful because we are wired to just focus on what's next, what's next, yeah, what's next, what's it's next. Not, and it's not good, man. It's not good. And then no. we miss the moment. Yes. Yes. We, we miss the moment. And and I don't know what the solution is, but the, something I'm working on is just trying to be more present in the moment and then celebrating. Sometimes it feels like, there's so much horrible things going on in the world. I shouldn't celebrate. But if people know the horrible things that you went through to get to the milestone, they will want you to celebrate. You You know what? Oh my God. So you, so you know how you said earlier in our conversation that I hit the nail on the head for you. So you just hit the nail on the head for me. So that, I think that has been a part of my challenge with being able to celebrate my success. Um, I, I don't really share a lot of my big wins on social media and I want to, because like I said before, when I started on YouTube, my subscribers were my creative outlet. Like they're my people, they're my community, they're my tribe. And so as I became more and more successful, I stopped sharing because I never wanted to, and it's a difficult thing. I no Okay. Now this part, I have talked to my therapist. Okay. She gave me the best advice she could. It didn't help though. Um, but <laughs> But um, as my, you know, I've become more successful, I don't share a lot of my success because I would never, ever want the same people who helped me and supported my business to help me to grow to where I am to ever feel like I'm bragging on them, right? Or that I'm showing off. And so I just wouldn't share. So when I got my dream truck, never shared it. And it was such a big moment for me um, when, you know, I get certain awards or my bill, like I have. 12 billboards right now with my face all around the country. I have pictures and selfies I've taken with them. Have I shared it? No, it's just this thing. I get a new purse that I really, really love. And it's my first designer Chanel bag a couple of years ago. I wanted to share the moment like, guys, I finally did it. And I didn't. So how do you get past that? You got to share it. <laughs> and and, 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 and it's not it's not how I get past it because baby I am not where you are okay, okay. <laughs> but what I, what I will say right mm-hmm. I have experienced some success there are things in life that I want um, for myself right so I get inspired when I see people sharing milestones. I got inspired when I think it was sometime last year when you shared, um, and this was you, you shared that, you know, you and your husband for the business, you guys had received your first million dollar purchase order, right? Yes. That yes. was inspiring. And that took my staff convincing me to share that. By yes. The way. <laughs> but, but again, that was inspiring. I'm going to share something personal. So I don't have children yet. I want children. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. moms and, and parents sometimes feel guilty. They're like, is it too much to share my kids? Let me tell you what happens. Please mm-hmm. continue to share whether it's your children, your accolades, your milestones, because there are going to be people like me and like the people listening who are going to find that content on days when we really need it. Mm-hmm. We really need to see that it's possible. 
Got it. We have to see somebody else has been able to do it. It wasn't easy for them to get there, but they are there, which means that I too can get there, right? And then when it comes to the kids and the desire, just going with that personal bit again, sometimes I'll see it and I'll have a yearning. Mm -hmm. Why not be yet? Mm -hmm. But that's okay too, because that's just a human emotion. You feel what you feel. But when I'm in that yearning moment, whether it's for kids or whether it's like, damn, when am I going to get that seven figure, this or that, or that bag? Even when I'm in that yearning moment, I still needed it as a reminder of what I'm doing it for. I need it. Good point. You know, I need people, people need it. So and I think people, we, we're trying to manage the reactions of thousands of people, hundreds of people, millions of people, right? We have to, we can't control that. So some, like I said, sometimes people will see your, your, your sharing of these things as, damn, okay, I can't handle this today. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah. then, but, you know, a week from now, they'll see it and they'll appreciate it. So you just have to share it because other people are going to know for themselves when they need to tune out and when they need to tune in. Got it. Okay. Thank you for that. You're so sweet. That was awesome. Really good perspective, actually. Yeah. So I I just have to say share it because I, I need to know we need to we need people that are a few steps ahead of us to show us what is ahead. Yes. Okay. Awesome. And by the way, you definitely gave me something to take away from this conversation, um, which is the celebrating of success and celebrating moments. I think that's something that not just myself, but everyone listening, we should all make that a thing. Like, and we should post and like tag, like, see, I'm celebrating it. Yes. yes. It's, it's important. It's important yeah. because, you know, we see people and, and I'm just going to say this, or we're going to be here all day. <laughs> We see people, and for lack of a better word, like scammers or people just doing any kind of thing, flaunting whatever it is that they have. And Girl. then you have the people doing the work. Yes. They're quiet like a church mouse. Yes. But then you know what? You're right, though, because maybe that is why then we don't really get the attention or the shine or the the accolades or respect because you're not putting yourself out there people don't know like there's so much you shared with me today that I've been following you for years I didn't know I didn't realize you know but again that's another thing with telling our story as a publicist I have to constantly remind my clients tell your story Sometimes we get tired of telling our story because, damn it, we lived it. I don't want to talk. Y'all want to hear this story again? Yes, I was Black Onyx 77. (laughs) (laughs) But yes, because there's going to be someone who hears it differently. There's going to be someone who hears it for the first time. There's going to be someone who hears it again. And they're like, huh, they get something else out of it. We have to continue to tell our story because you said earlier that you thank God for giving you the gift, that for, for putting this in your life. So we have to honor that gift by sharing it. Wow. Rochelle dropped so many gems, and I really hope you enjoyed the conversation as much as she and I clearly did. And if you're talking about this episode online, please use the hashtag, the Sakita Method, and tag me at Miss Success, that's M-I-S-S Success, as well as the Sakita Method, so that I can repost and reshare all of your comments. 
And don't forget to purchase your Done Is Better Than Perfect journal at itsthesakitamethod.com backslash shop. And if you're listening to this episode on Apple Podcasts, please rate and leave a review. Until next time.